from the book of Job. Why do the wicked still live, grow old, and also become very powerful? Their descendants endure with them in their sight and their offspring before their eyes. Their houses are safe from fear, and the rod of God is not on them. His ox mates without fail, his cow calves and does not miscarry. They send out their boys like the flock, and their children dance. They sing with the tambourine and the harp, and rejoice at the sound of the flute. They spend their days in prosperity, and suddenly they go down to Shaul. Greetings, my friends, and welcome back to the broadcast. I'm Sean. Website can be found, scriptureandprophecy.com. That's where you go to find the archives, and that's where you go to support this mission of truth. Thanks for joining me this morning. I, that, that, those verses from the book of Job. By the way, the book of Job, we did a complete study on the book of Job not long ago. So if you're new to the podcast, go to the archives and look for that study. Um, it's, uh, it's made a difference in a lot of people's lives. I've gotten a lot of feedback on that. Uh, the, kind of the subtitle of the study is, Why Do the Godly Suffer? So go check that out. But an interesting phrase you find in the 21st chapter, Job's like, why do the wicked grow old in their wickedness? They grow old, they become powerful, they have children, There's, there seems to be no reason for them to ever be afraid. Uh, God clearly isn't disciplining them or judging them. Like, what's going on with this? Their children dance. They spend their days in prosperity. That's a that's that is a struggle, isn't it? You know, one of the biggest complaints that you hear when you're trying to witness to somebody is, well, if God, if there is a God and God is good, then why is it that evil prospers? Why isn't he doing anything about some of the most horrific and gross offenses in the world? And I certainly struggle with that at times. It's like, Lord, where are you? We're literally being poisoned from every angle. Like all of humanity. From the air, from the food, from the ground. Where is Lord, Where is God? Why is it that a handful of wicked people get to control the entire earth and do all this terribleness to billions? How is it that a handful of people get to deceive the world? Like, you know, one of, one of the biggest things that's going on is deception. Being deceived through pharmacia, through poisoning, as I like to call it, being deceived through the, the media and the social media and just the, all the things they do to manipulate society and control thought and create this hype. Why do the wicked prosper? Why do a handful of pervert billionaires get to rule the world? 
Why is that? Why is nothing done about it? Interestingly enough, Job says this, so you you get to... Let me just read this to you real quick. It's only five verses. Two, three, four, five, seven verses. Listen closely again. Open up your hearts, because the, the thing he says to close this thought is important. Why do the wicked still live? Grow old, and also become very powerful. Their descendants endure with them in their sight, and their offspring before their eyes. Their houses are safe from fear, and the rod of God is not on them. His ox mates without fail, his cows, calves, and do not miscarry. They send out their boys like the flock, and their children dance. They sing with the tambourine and the harp, and rejoice at the sound of the flute. They spend their days in prosperity, and suddenly they go down to Shaul. Suddenly they go to the grave, the King James says. They live their life in prosperity. They get away with their wickedness all their lives. They even grow old doing it and bear children who get to do it. But at the end, where do they go? This is the part that we struggle to wrap our minds around because wrapping your mind around eternity is very difficult. They get their short time here, and it is short. What is 80 years or 90 or 120? What is that? Let's just go with 120. What is 120 years compared to forever, never ending? I mean, just do the math. Pretend eternity is 1 million years. <laughs> that's a number that's unthinkable to be a million years old. Would you give up 1 million years of eternal bliss? No more crying, no more pain, no more disappointment. Finally feeling like you have a purpose. Access to God. Would you trade that for 120 years of uh, indulging the flesh and having everything you want here on earth? And the answer from some people, for some people, is yes, I would, because they do, and they admit it. When they are on these talk shows and they say, we sold our soul to the devil so that I could be uh, this famous singer, or I could be... that's not hyperbole. They literally mean that. Why do they get to prosper and why do we still have to deal with them? Well, I believe that there's an answer. It doesn't completely satisfy, but there is an answer found in the parables of the kingdom in Matthew chapter 13. And so that's what we're going to focus on for the rest of this broadcast. So let's go and let's look at the book of Matthew, the gospel of Matthew, chapter 13. And there's a couple parables that we're really going to focus in on, but one in particular, the wheat and the tares. 
Because Jesus describes how both the wheat being the children of God and the tares being the children of the devil, we have to grow up together side by side until the harvest. And I thought this would be an interesting topic to just to re-examine, seeing as how we just spent a whole week talking about Shavuot, which is a, which is a harvest feast, right? So I'm going to read chapter 13. Let's discuss. Let's begin. On the day that Jesus had gone out of the house and was sitting by the sea, and large crowds gathered to him, so he got into a boat and he sat down, and the whole crowd was standing on the beach. And he told them many things in parables, saying, Behold, the sower went out to sow. And as he sowed, some seeds fell by the road, and the birds came and ate them up. Others fell on rocky places where they did not have much soil, and they sprang up immediately because they had no depth of soil. But after the sun rose, they were scorched, and because they had no root, they withered away. Others fell among the thorns, and the thorns came up and choked them out. But others fell on good soil and yielded a crop, a hundred, some sixty, some thirty times as much. The one who has ears, let him hear. And the disciples came up and said to him, Why do you speak to them in parables? And Jesus answered, To you it has been granted to know the mysteries of the kingdom of heaven, but to them it has not been granted. For whoever has, to him more shall be given, and he will have an abundance, but whoever does not have, even what he has shall be taken away from him. Therefore I speak to them in parables, because while seeing they do not see, and while hearing they do not hear, nor do they understand. And in their case, the prophecy of Isaiah is being fulfilled, which says, You shall keep on listening, but shall not understand. You shall keep on looking, but shall not perceive. The heart of this people has become dull. With their ears they scarcely hear, and they have closed their eyes. Otherwise they might see with their eyes and hear with their ears and understand with their heart and return, and I would heal them. But blessed are your eyes because they see and your ears because they hear. For truly I say to you that many prophets and righteous people long to see what you see and to not see it and to hear what you hear, and did not hear it. Listen to the parable of the sower. When anyone hears the word of the kingdom and does not understand that the evil one comes and snatches it away, what has been sown in his heart, this is the one sown with beside the road. The one sowed on rocky places, this is the one who hears the word immediately and receives it with joy. That he has no root in himself, but is only temporary. And when the affliction or the persecution occurs because of the word, immediately he falls away. Please note. So Jesus is explaining this first parable, right? What is taking place here? I've known a lot more of these types than any other. 
Not the one where the evil one comes and snatches away what has been sown. But the second one, where the seed falls on rocky ground, it springs up really quickly, but then the sun scorches it, and Jesus says, this is, this is what's happening. The one sowed on the rocky place, this is the one who hears the word and immediately receives it with joy, right? Like, oh yes, I can have salvation, I'm so happy. Yet he has no root in himself. This is only temporary. Because as soon as trouble comes, as soon as it gets hard to be a Christian, what happens? Abandon ship. Oh, I'm going to get silenced. Abandon ship. Oh, people at work are looking at me weird. Abandon ship. Oh, my family thinks I'm an idiot. Abandon ship. Oh, I didn't realize I wasn't allowed to do this anymore. Abandon ship. Oh, I got sick. Abandon ship. Oh, I had some financial trouble. Abandon ship. He has no root in himself, but is only temporary. And when affliction or persecution occurs because of the word, like when as soon as it starts to cost you something to be a Christian, what happens? Immediately he falls away. The next one, verse 22. And the one sown with seed among the thorns, this is the one who hears the word and the anxiety of the world and deceitfulness of wealth chokes the word and it becomes unfruitful. So here they receive it, they believe it, but the, the, the world has got such a grip on them that they can't produce fruit. They don't spread the gospel. They don't do any work for the kingdom. They don't make a difference. Because what if somebody sees me? What if somebody hears me? What if I lose the pro- what if I lose my business? What if I the deceitfulness of wealth choke the word and it becomes unfruitful? Notice the deceitfulness of wealth. See, people think that the wealth is going to bring them happiness, fulfillment, joy. It doesn't. So you have some, they forsake the wealth, and yeah. They struggle more in this world, but they forsake the wealth for the sake of the kingdom. And then you have the ones who they're they're deceived by that and they become unfruitful. Continuing on verse 23, but the one sown with seed on the good soil is the one who hears the word, understands it, who indeed bear fruit and produces some a hundred, some 60 and some 30 times as much. Now, Let's look at the weeds among wheat. This is to bring it all back home to the point. Why are we stuck with these evil people? Why hasn't God done anything about it? I believe it's mostly explained with this parable. Starting with verse 24, Jesus presented another parable to them saying, The kingdom of heaven is like a man who sowed good seed in his field. But while his men were sleeping, his enemy came and sowed weeds among the wheat and left. And when the wheat sprouted and produced grain, then the weeds also became evident. And the slaves of the landowner came and said to him, Sir, did you not sow good seed in your field? How then does it have weeds? And he said to them, An enemy has done this. And the slaves said to him, Do you want us then to go and gather them up? But he said, No, while you are gathering up the weeds, you may uproot the wheat with them. 
Allow both to grow together until the harvest. And at the time of the harvest, I will say to the reapers, First gather up the weeds and bind them in bundles to burn them. But gather the wheat into my barn. All right. So you have seed being sown. But then when it starts to sprout, it's noticed that there's weeds intermingled right with them. And the workers, they come to the master and they're like, do you want us to pull the weeds? And he's like, no, do not pull the weeds because when you pull the weed, you pull the fruit with it. And we've talked about this on this broadcast. If you've ever done a garden, when the especially when it's first growing and the weeds are, if you pull those weeds up, the good plant comes up too, right? Like all the soil in that area just comes up because it hasn't had time to really get rooted in there. Think about... People might say, why hasn't America been severely judged? Well, I think it will be, along with many other nations who are, who have gone astray. The whole world has gone astray. But we'll just use America as the example because it's one of the most obvious right now. Well, if, if God drops, uh, you know, fire and brimstone from the sky right now, it doesn't just hurt the wicked, does it? It would also destroy his own. So we're stuck growing together until the time. Until it's time. Continuing on, he's going to do two other little parables here about the kingdom, which describe how kind of like what we've seen throughout human history. It started off as a small little thing, and then it's grown throughout all the world, but not its full fulfillment, obviously. And then he will explain the weeds. Verse 31, And he presented another parable to them, saying, The kingdom of heaven is like a mustard seed, which a person took and sowed in the field, and this smaller than all the other seeds. But when it is fully grown, it is larger than the garden plants and becomes a tree, so that the birds of the sky come and nest in its branches. He spoke another parable and said, The kingdom of heaven is like leaven, which a woman took and hid in three sata of flour until it was all leavened. All these things Jesus spoke to the crowds in parables, but he did not speak anything to them without a parable. This was so what was spoken through the prophet would be fulfilled. I will open my mouths in parables, and I will proclaim things hidden to the foundations of the world. Verse 36. Now the parable of the weeds is explained. Then he left the crowds, and he went into a house, and his disciples came to him and said, Explain to us the parable of the weeds of the field. And he said, The one who sows the seed, the good seed, is the son of man, and the field is the world. And as for the good seed, these are the sons of the kingdom. And the weeds are the sons of the evil one. And the enemy who sowed them is the devil. And the harvest is the end of the age, and the reapers are the angels. Okay, so he's breaking this down. The good seed, the good plant, that's the children of God. The one who sows them is Messiah himself, God himself. The bad seed is the children of the devil. 
The one who sows them is the devil, is the evil one. The harvest time is the end. And those who reap, who gather the harvest, are the angels. Verse 40, So just as the weeds are gathered up and burned with fire, so it shall be at the end of the age. The Son of Man will send forth his angels, and they will gather out of his kingdom all stumbling blocks, all those who commit lawlessness. And they will throw them into the furnace of fire. In that place there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Then the righteous will shine forth like the sun in the kingdom of their father. The one who has ears, let him hear. And that's where we're going to close today. Right now we're all growing together. And yeah, the wicked prosper. And they grow old in their wickedness. They get away with it. The rod of God is not on them. Just like Job said, that is, that is the reality. You just look around. You can see it for yourself. But the children of God are the ones who are going to inherit the earth for all eternity. And I believe we're getting close to harvest time. I believe we've all... The world has become almost to its fullness and there's going to be a great separation. Just like there's a separation of the sheep and goats, right? There's going to be a separation of the wheat and tares. God knows which plant belongs to him. He's going to send his angels. They're going to gather the good into the barn. That's eternity. Gather the bad into the fire. That's hell. The Proverbs talk about, don't envy the wicked. Yeah, they're getting away with it today. But they're going to grow old and it's going to come quick. And they're going to have to answer. And they're going to have to pay. When you're a million years old, they'll still be weeping and gnashing their teeth in eternal damnation. They're not to be envied, they're to be pitied. They're to be prayed for, open their eyes. They don't understand the exchange rate here. We should grieve for them. They don't know God. I hope you've been blessed this morning. I hope you've been strengthened and encouraged. Thank you for listening. Thank you for praying for me and for my family. Please continue to do so. Further down the line we get, the more up against it I get, if you know what I mean. The more adversity and struggle that it is to speak the truth, the more it costs and I'm not talking about finances. I'm talking about just in general, the more it costs. So please pray for me and my family. Thank you for your support. Those of you who support the podcast and make it happen, I couldn't do it without you. And I'm just extremely grateful and thankful for all of you. Thanks for listening. Peace and grace be with all of you. And until next time, God bless.